If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning, and then someone hands you a baby. I like you just the way you are. You're braver than you believe, and stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. Parenting is a sacrifice, it's exhausting, it's expensive, at times it feels thankless, but eventually you die. Welcome to the Kid Doc Good Job Being the Mom podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping mothers and fathers through supporting, enabling, and empowering them in their amazing role as parents. Welcome to our three-nager episode. This is, in some ways, a continuation of our Terrible Twos podcast, so we definitely recommend going back and reviewing the episode prior to this one to not be too repetitive. I would definitely agree. I found myself thinking about a lot of the same topics, but only at a higher level as these kids become a lot more capable. Absolutely. Before we jump into our content, let's talk about tactical parenting. Okay, sounds good. What do you think were some of the tactical parenting things that mom and I did for you kids? I think a short list would include things like taking out neighbor's trash cans on Mondays, the ski shop, service projects in Tijuana, and going to HEFY. That's a pretty good list. So let's talk about the trash cans for a minute. How did we get that one started? Yeah, so we had some wonderful neighbors in our cul-de-sac, the first cul-de-sac that we moved to when we moved to Utah, and their name is Godfrey Family. They had boys that would take out the neighbor's trash cans every single week and arrange them in the street ready for trash day. Yes, we think the world of the Godfreys who were a bit ahead of us age-wise for mom and I in raising kids and saw the things they did to raise their older children who were very successful in giving back to those around them. And we felt that a culture of service and sacrifice was really important to raising our kids. So how well did we do from week to week on taking the trash cans out when we moved to a new neighborhood? So it wasn't super smooth and... Often the boys would forget and you ended up bearing the kind of the brunt of that load where you were taking a lot of the trash cans out for neighbors late at night, whether it was raining or snowing. Often when it was dark already, you just come home late from work from either the hospital or serving in a calling. So not the most pleasant experience. (laughs) Yeah, I think we always remember the late at nights and the snow times, and I wasn't always happy about this and and trying to serve. And I found myself getting mad often because they remembered themselves less than half the time, and that fell to me to fix it. So we have about 12 years of taking out trash cans for neighbors every Monday, and I hope that this weekly modeling of service would distill on the boys' hearts and minds the importance of, of serving those around us. For sure. And it's hard when things like family prayer and scripture study and learning to serve can be a source for disappointment or for frustration or anger, but we just keep striving to do our best. Huh? Yeah. Nothing like getting mad at scripture study is there. So it's always the best. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, what's fun is the older neighbors really appreciated the service given to them and they would often comment on how much they appreciated the boys taking out the trash. And so um, even though it was difficult, I think it's definitely worth it as part of tactical parenting. 
Absolutely. Let's move on to our topic. What are the ways in which the terrible twos and being a three major are the same but different? I think that with most of these things, that toilet training is either going well or it isn't, sleep is going well or it isn't, and behavior is going well or it isn't. At this point, are we behind on toilet training if it isn't going well? No, it's really common for children to not be excellent at toilet training at this age, especially for those kiddos that are really busy and don't want to stop what they are doing to go to the bathroom because they have FOMO. Yeah, it's such an inconvenience. I understand. So inconvenient. So what are some of the barriers to having them do toilet training well? Well, busyness I mentioned, but also one of the most important to me is that they are not having a bad experience when they sit on the toilet, that they are not having any pain or bleeding with constipation that would make them afraid of their experience on the toilet. Yeah, all the more reason to just keep playing. Um, how, how do we help the busy kids to stop and go to the bathroom? And are there people that are still using gummy bears for bribes or the like? <laughs> Um, I think I remember that you used Thomas the Tank Engine to bribe one of the boys. Yes, yes. That's changed a little bit. But one of the advanced parenting methods is bribery, helping the children to make a choice to earn a reward. Praise and encouragement should definitely be the top tool for motivating good choices. But judicious use of food treats can be used for sure. And lately, for the most challenging cases, I recommend withholding all screen time letting a child earn a couple of minutes of screen time for sitting on the toilet and then having five to 10 minutes of screen time for successes with stooling, especially for pooping. With, with good enough motivation, we can help children make good choices. And as I frequently say, you cannot force things regarding their mouth with feeding or with their bottoms with toilet training. They will always win that battle if they are stubborn enough. Are there serious complications of food avoidance and toilet training avoidance? You can with big enough problems with food aversion. We have had patients with G-tubes or stomach tubes for tube feeding, and we get really bad stool withholding and stool leaking because of battles over toilet training. None of these things need to happen as long as we don't fight with these kids who are strong, smart, and stubborn. We just have to be strategic and tactical to help them to make good choices. So how do we help when constipation is the problem? Well, we will do an entire podcast in the near future on constipation. <laughs> fun. <laughs> yes, totally fun. But the short version is that we want to increase water and increase fiber in their diet and encourage stooling after meals when the body is most ready. We use supplements for fiber and also Miralax to help if needed. And we will talk a lot more about that later on. Can't wait. I expect that you'll be wearing your I pooped today t-shirt when we were. Yeah, straight from Jackson Hole. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the meantime, let's talk about how sleep is going. Do we see new problems with sleep at this age, like nightmares and night terrors? We definitely have ongoing struggles with sleep, especially when the kids are working hard to get out of their room. We have to work just as hard to keep them in their beds, but be super consistent in getting them back right into their beds when they get out. Sometimes they are little ninjas and sneak onto the bedroom floor or find a spot in the bed. So do the best you can to keep getting them back into bed. And yes, kids start having more imagination and abstract thought and can imagine things that are not really there. So nightmares and night terrors come online now. 
What is the difference between the two? I categorize the two with really broad strokes that with nightmares, the child remembers them when they wake up and can continue to be afraid of whatever the nightmare was about. And they are afraid to go back to sleep. With night terrors, the child can be screaming and can be frightening to the parent to observe. But when the child wakes up, they don't have a recollection of what was bothering them. They're just fine when they wake up. They are, are more like sleepwalking, where awake behavior is slipping into a sleep time. How do you recommend managing nightmares and if your children have about going to sleep? Do you recommend things like monster spray? I start with trying to avoid whatever the trigger is for the nightmares. It can even be fun things like Barney and big purple dinosaurs. But yeah. but kids don't separate fantasy from reality when they're so young. And so things they see on media are very real for them with their wonderful imaginations. So if there is something they view that is scary for them, then let's try to avoid the trigger. And with monster spray, you bring up a really good point. I, I want us to empower kids rather than just to dismiss their fears. I want to empower them to make them stronger than their fear. And this carries over to so many parts of life. We may not be able to eliminate fear, but we can feel empowered to overcome difficult circumstances. So, so I'm just curious if you remember anything that worked for you as a child to help you feel safe when you were afraid. Yeah, I remember things like nightlights, but I also remember my dolly that was very creatively named. I think that she's made an appearance on the podcast before, but she was this pale yellow doll with blue eyes and she was often my companion when I would fall asleep. There are really scary times I would kind of, this is when I was a little bit older, so hopefully this isn't discouraging your earlier um, mm -hmm. advice, but I would come in and I would lay on, I would create a little bed next to, to next to the bed in your room and hold mom's hand until I fell asleep. Those are particularly bad dreams, but um, most of the time it was, it was Dolly being my, my comforting friend. Well, and I think those still are really special times and memories when your parents can be there for you. And, and so it's, yeah, it's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't criticize those and stuff like that, but I think it's more when you're trying to help the kiddos at some point in time to become self-sufficient. And, and I remember that I had a magic lammy blanket, so like lambs and lammy blanket that my grandmother made for me, that if I was, I was, if I was underneath it, no monsters could get me. That memory still stays with me today that I remember that security. So I'm okay if kids go to bed with lightsabers, Nerf guns, magic blankets, et cetera, to kind of help keep them feeling safe. Yeah. So that will work with nightmares, but what about night terrors? Yeah, we really cannot do too much about night terrors except to help with good sleep quality. It isn't recommended to wake them up. Same thing with sleepwalking. And I should I should comment that with sleepwalking, all we really do is make sure the house is locked up or alarms that can alert us if someone is leaving the house. It is all about simply keeping the kiddos safe and, and not walking out into the snow or into the street. But work on good sleep quality with a good environment conducive for sleep. Since we're talking a bit about good sleep environments, what about sleep routines, having good sleep hygiene? So good sleep hygiene or the routines and practices for going to bed is super important right now at this age. It means understanding when a child needs to wake up, like what time they need to wake up in the morning, then work backward with the number of hours needed for that age group. So eight hours when done growing, 
10 hours for their older child while still growing and 12 hours for the young child who has phased out naps. Then once you establish the appropriate bedtime, then have all screens off an hour before bedtime to help the brain to start to produce melatonin better. Do your routines of bathing and showering, reading stories, prayers, et cetera, just to help the brain prepare for sleep because of the routine. And I recommend that if needed, reading not be done in bed because for some kids, it can make it difficult for their brain to know if when they are in bed, they are supposed to stay awake to read or to fall asleep. I try to be consistent that when they are in bed, they are there only to fall asleep. This is a good reminder, even for the adults that are listening. For the adults as well. Wanting better sleep hygiene. (laughs) Before we leave sleep, let's comment on phasing out naps that you mentioned. Yes, between one and two years of age, we go from two naps to one nap. And then between two and three, the child usually phases out naps altogether. So as before, we still recommend a quiet time after lunch from like one to two, where a child could play in their room, but maybe fall asleep if they are still tired. And then keep this quiet time in place forever. If a child is is always very tired, like more tired than you think they should be for their age, then let's explore that in the office. There can be sleep apnea or anemia or some other cause. So this is a good segue to talk about behavior after we talked about kids maybe not getting enough sleep and being grumpy as a result. Too true. We are also going to do some episodes soon on behavior and discipline, but let's cover a few principles early on. There's kind of a range of outcomes with children of people who are dear to me. And this has taught me that ultimately you cannot determine the choices your kids are going to make, but you can determine how you're going to feel about your children. So in our faith tradition, we read that Jesus Christ taught that the two greatest commandments are to love God and love your neighbor. He didn't emphasize obedience as the first commandment. He emphasized love. With that in mind, um, will you share our quote from Thomas Watson? You bet. He taught, never let a problem to be solved become more important than a person to be loved. So what does that mean to you? To me, I think it really emphasizes the focus of all of our actions. It frames how we interact with people, how we treat them, how just focusing on embracing people with love is truly more important than anything else. That can be really difficult at times, particularly when you're trying to discipline. But this, if this is the motivation, focusing on what are you trying to accomplish, um, letting that fall away and really focusing on loving the person, maybe even if the trash cans haven't been set out like you've asked, but really trying to help them become something and loving them through it all. And I think about how I think each of us as parents want nothing more than for our kids to be successful and to um, to thrive. And I think it's a real struggle when we feel like there's something they're choosing to do is working 180 degrees opposite to those good choices. And so it's totally understandable that, that parents are trying to push their kids to make good decisions and do what they think is right because they feel they worry if they don't that something bad will happen and the kids won't be successful. And that's totally understandable. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just, at times I have to step back and consider my emotions when something wasn't going how I wanted. When you consider your motivation, then I think the action is a lot different. Maybe we yell a lot more 
when we are just mad about something, but we are much more patient and act differently when love is our motivation. So with that in mind, working on managing anger, praising good behavior, working side by side with an, an offender or a child having a problem with something to help show you care as much about them to give of your time than just to get a job done. So we still need to have consistent limit setting, discipline, and timeouts, which are now three minutes because we're trying to do one minute for your of age. Cool. So to finish up, let's run through a few age-appropriate items for activity, diet, and safety. How much activity should kids get as three-nagers? Yeah, let's work on limiting recreational screen time to an hour per day at most, and the rest of the time should be active play. I think the more screen time they get, the less creative and active kids are. And when you do watch shows, discuss the content with children as well. How about diet items? Keep up with the Hobbit eating plan, where you have first and second breakfast on a schedule, first and second lunch, first and second dinner, and help keep up with them learning how to self-feed. Right. On safety, kids are moving out of their stranger anxiety age. How does this affect teaching safety? You know, their lives have been magical. Nothing bad happens to them because they don't realize how things turn out well around pets and streets and cars, only that it seems to work out kind of like that song from Lego Batman and it said, nothing bad ever happens to me. So right. um, <laughs> Because you have been supervising them for three years, everything works out. So talk with them about how and when to pet animals, how to cross the street, how to play around streets, etc. Sometimes you feel a little bit, you know, psychotic because you're talking out loud, but <laughs> just basically narrating all your choices so they can understand how you cross the street, those kind of things. And then also we need to teach them stranger safety because they are less afraid of people now. They've had stranger danger, but now they feel safe. And so they're happy to go up to strange people. So we just need to work on stranger safety as well. Awesome. Are there any other safety items? Just maybe a quick list, bicycle helmet use, car safety, using an appropriate seat in the back seat that's facing forward now. Safety near windows. Most couches are near windows. And so kids can fall out of windows. We had one that did that. But that would happen a lot in Cleveland where people would be in high-rise apartments and the kids, it would be hot and kids would fall out of windows because they had the couch by the window and, and go through the screen. So in the house, think about matches, poisons, medications, guns, and tools, and not having young siblings supervise the other children. And really know where they are at all times because they are way more mobile now and can take off and run and, and, uh, and get themselves in trouble. Yeah. What about any last social items? Okay. So keep reading or singing with your child, play with them one-on-one, -on -one, lots of praise for the toddler, work on helping them dress themselves, help them pick up toys, and just have more interactive talking, singing, and reading, and more individual attention and play. I think helping the child handle anger and conflict resolution, help them talk through problems, you know, solving more is, uh, is really healthy. Great. And then any last health items? A good time for teeth brushing with fluoride toothpaste, just a tiny little rice grain amount of toothpaste on there. And then talk through body part curiosity. It's okay to use regular terms for body parts when kids are curious. Help out with hand washing. And we've had a lot of hand washing since the pandemic. And then um, toilet training is needed. 
Great. Well, that wraps up our three-nager episode, and we will be back with the four-year-of-age episode. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Sam. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to getting together again next time. Kid Doc is available wherever you find your other favorite podcast. If you enjoyed what we shared with you today, be sure to like us and subscribe to help other listeners like you find us. On our website, we will add supporting materials and other helpful items from this and other podcasts. The opinions expressed in this podcast, while carefully considered, are ultimately the opinions of the presenters and not necessarily of our employers or of any other organizations with which we are affiliated. And remember, the content of this podcast shouldn't be seen as a substitute for seeking actual personal medical care. If this is an emergency, hang up and dial 911. Otherwise, schedule a visit with a caring doctor to help with your concerns.